Welcome to Strategic Insights Radio, brought to you by Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. If your dream is to start a business or not-for-profit or to grow your existing enterprise, Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. is ready to help you make it happen. Our business, marketing, and technology consulting services get you started with financial projections and business planning, developing marketing plans and implementing them, growing your market through branding, website development, and social media management, increasing productivity with business process improvement and automation, and selecting and using the right technology with our business technology strategy consulting and implementation services. I'm Dave Wilkins, CEO of Sterling Rose Consulting Corp., and today we're going to continue with the program that I started. It was uh, last time I was on a couple weeks ago, and that topic is the keys to the right technology. And I've come up with 11 of those, or as some people think of, 11, and you know, whatever. It's a kind of an interesting word by itself. But, and that's why I thought 11 is a good number because it is different. And there are a lot of points to it. Now, what we covered last week were the first four. And those four, just to refresh quickly and to set the tone for this, uh, this, this session, is the right system strategy for your business strategy the right level of senior executive involvement, the right ROI to establish the value of the solution, and the right measurable criteria to evaluate solution effectiveness. So those were the four we covered the last time. Now, let's get started with the ones we'll cover today, which I think we're going to get through three of them. And the first one starts with the right communications between business and technology staffs. Now, that's different from the one we talked about earlier last time, which was the right level of senior executive involvement. Because the reality is, it's the business. It's all about the business. You know, the technology is a tool, and it's nothing more than a tool that helps a business. Or, you know, in the case of a not-for-profit, not-for-profit, but we're all—they're all, in my mind, you know, we'll treat them all the same. But the reality is a, the technology is nothing more than a tool that helps a business meet its mission, its goals, and objectives. And what's critical in this is to ensure in, in any project where you're implementing technology, uh, you've got to make sure that the business and the technology staffs are communicating with each other. Now, that might be you know, obviously your business staff are your employees. Um, but it may also be your customers, for example, and your technology may be employees again, or they could be vendors. And it's important to make sure that however or whoever they happen to be, that the, the right people are involved and the right level of communication is going on. So what does that really mean? Well, ultimately, the, the issue is, and being also an accountant, I think debits and credits and from a technology perspective, it's how do you convert those debits and credits into bits and bytes? And how do you translate that? That's the key. Now, that communication has to go on from day one of the initiative to and, and beyond its completion. Because the reality is no system is ever complete. It just reaches uh, different milestones in its, in its life cycle. 
But to start with, I've got a, a number of ideas um, and keys that I call to the right communication for business between the business and the technology staffs. And it all starts with the effective communications really will save you time, money, and effort in any project. What makes that happen? First of all, you've got to start with the fact that you've got to make these the messaging in the communication make the subjects easily identifiable. And it not necessarily mean just emails, any type of messaging that's going on, whether it's um, written documentation, whether it's meetings, whether it's emails, however, however that communication is happening, you've got to keep the message easily identifiable. Uh, a lot of times too much, you know, the, the, the message itself can get really confused and really garbled uh, by trying to incorporate too much in, in, a, in any one uh, communication session. Now, what you also want to do is you want to make sure that that message content is quickly understood. Now, that's the, that's the key here because, again, if the technology folks, which in many cases really don't understand, uh, based upon my experience, really don't understand the, the inner workings of the business, and you've got the, the tech and the business side who really don't understand exactly how the technology really works, you know, they're talking two different languages. And so you, what you've got to do is you've got to be able to break that down and, and simplify it to make sure that it's, it's easily understood by both parties. And they can kind of come up with a common way of, of communicating on it. You also have to be very explicit in your messaging. Uh, again, very on point. Keep all the emotions out of it. It's strictly the facts. Uh, you need to manage communications effectively. And what do I mean by that? Well, the fact is you can't just assume, as a, as a leader, you can't assume that the, that the communications is going to happen the way it should happen. So you've got to be able to monitor that and manage that and define how it's happening. For example, having regularly scheduled status meetings with a well-defined agenda and, and defining it specifically the points. If you have, you, you should have a, a work plan and the work plan should have all the, the tasks identified and the status of those. And then the appropriate, the detail that's included in status reports, for example, needs to be well-defined in terms of what needs to be there, how it needs to be communicated. The other thing too, from a communication standpoint, is, is involving only those resources uh, the, the people, the tools, and so forth that are needed to complete the task. And a lot of times what ends up happening is you get too many people involved uh, who may or may not have real inv uh, you know, a vested interest in it. They may have more of a tangential uh, perspective, but because, they, because of their position or because of their dynamism is that the word yeah you know they're, they're, how they how they come across you know that you know they may they may be given more credence or or more authority may be given to what they're saying than what what is really worth now and that's just a little bit and, and the reality is there is so much uh, material to talk about when it just comes to communications but you know we could we could talk all day on that the Here's where, here's where it's benefits. Uh, proper communication leads to the following outcomes that we talk about. The pace 
of a project is sustained. You, know, you keep it moving. The team, mem- team leaders maintain control of the project progress. Again, you're keeping, this, keeping, the status, keeping on top of the status, knowing when things are happening. And, and as issues come up, they're getting identified and addressed. Uh, people with different responsibilities and levels of involvement are better engaged in the project. And people feel that their time is respected and well used. You know, nobody wants to waste hours upon hours in worthless meetings which happens way too often, and especially in projects, uh, that happens an incredible amount of time. Uh, believe me, I've been there. And, uh, you know, actually I've caught up in a lot of sleep in some of those meetings. Um, and you know what? That's not the way to run a project. So <clears throat> how, do we, how do we summarize this point? There's key. Effective communications in IT projects can be encapsulated by three words explicitness, traceability, and readability, also known as understandability. Okay, our next key is the right requirements defined by the right users to select the right solutions for the right process. And you're gonna say, what's that? Let's go through that one again the right requirements defined by the right users to select the right solutions for the right processes. The reality is most projects fail because they have a lousy set of requirements or no requirements. Somebody just says, we need this, we need this, uh, this system to do something. And they go off and pick something and throw it in and hope for the best. And that's clearly not the way to be successful. Now, what, and we've had, I, mean, I know I've had a, a, a show some time ago where we talked about requirements in more detail, but I just wanted to go over uh, the, the real key here from a requirements perspective. And there's a number, there's actually two major categories of requirements that needed to be, need to be defined, and and that whole requirements definition process, which happens early in a project, is is key to this to the ultimate success of the project. Because again, as I say, if you don't have a good set of requirements, you're just not going to be successful because you won't even know where you're supposed to end up. So let's start with the first set of uh, the first type of requirements. And those are the functional requirement. Now, the functional requirements basically are the features or functions, if you will, that developers must implement to enable users to accomplish their tasks. Now, these f- functional requirements basically describe system behaviors and how the system is going to process each p- specific condition or transaction, for example, that it's going to handle. So, for example, you've got under that you've got your business requirements and you think about business requirements this is at the higher level in terms of how do you handle a sale how do you handle accounts payables how do you handle vendors how do you handle customer relationship management you know the steps that the basic business processes that are involved in each of those functional areas uh, that that you're going to be implementing a system for or upgrading a system for that matter 
then you need to be able to break those down into a specific set of requirements says this is the system has to be able to do a b c d e f g in order to make sure that that business process is properly supported then you've got user requirements and your user requirements are generally a subset but not necessarily directly a, a completely uh, a, a aligned with that's where I was working with uh, completely aligned with those business requirements you know because there are some differences there are some nuances that each user has to be able to define uh, and, and we're not talking about necessarily personal items there in, in the sense that, uh, you know, my personal preferences versus Mike's personal preferences. It's more the user as a uh, customer relationship management person or a, uh, a, a sales salesperson or your, your uh chief financial officer or your accountant or whomever you know that the role it's more in a role pers perspective than an in, than a, than an individual and each of those roles again has specific requirements business role requirements that they need to be able to accomplish in order to ensure that they're doing their jobs correctly and then the third set would be your system requirements now system requirements uh, well, probably the easiest way to think about that is if you go and buy a software package um, in your in your local uh, well off of Amazon or you know your local computer shop or whatever it happens to be, and you look on the the side of the box, you'll see that there's a whole list of requirements, which is typically saying that it has to be that the comp your system has to be at least uh, say a Windows. Um, eight or above and you have to have so many megabytes or, or gigabytes of memory available and so on and so forth so each application has a series of and those those are those are one way to look at um, at, at system requirements but typically what we look at when we're particularly for a for a business in the sense of implementing a, a larger system is what is the existing environment that you have and to what degree that existing system the existing uh, hardware network technical environment if you will um, how that's structured in order in, and that helps guide your your selection process in terms of the requirements that says that the solution has to be able to fit into this environment now that's not to say that the environment can't be changed you know and that's a, again that becomes that's part of the decision making process it says uh, if if the if the if the network if the infrastructure isn't up to par and that's part of the issue you know that's all there also has to be a, a set of, re of system requirements defined for those so what are you going to do to upgrade that infrastructure in order to be able to support the business processes and the, and the business solutions if you will the software um, that's going to accomplish that so that's that's the, the system requirements now you also have a whole set of non-functional requirements 
And the non-functional requirements are more of the, uh, you know, you can call them those, these are the warm and fuzzies, but if you don't address them and address them properly, uh, these warm and fuzzies can become cold and brittle and very painful. So what does that involve? All right, so how do we define what are the non-functional requirements that need to be addressed? These in include usability, security, reliability, performance, availability, and scalability. So what does all those abilities mean? And essentially what they're meaning is usability is how easy is it to to navigate the system, and you know, again, my I've I've seen a lot of systems that while, yes, they they do a lot of great things, but they are so intuitively non-obvious that trying to get somebody to understand how to actually operate it and uh, and operate it efficiently and consistently is very very difficult. So you want something that is going to be you know, easy to use, and you're not going to have to uh, have to involve a, a just a, a, compl a completely retraining and, and total change in mindsets and so forth for people. Uh, security, obviously, we all know that security is a big issue, and you want to make sure you've got the right level of secu security based upon the level of risks associated with the uh, the applications. Um, reliability, how much uptime? And how much downtime can you can your business afford? Uh, performance, how fast? Availability, the time frame that it's available in, in terms of how how accessible it is twenty four seven, for example. And scalability, your ability to, as the business grows, will the system be able to support that growth without major changes to it or replacement? Now. All of these requirements, whether they're functional or non-functional, really follow, should follow a criteria that I've defined as SMART with two T's. So S-M-A-R-T-T. And what does that mean, that acronym? Specific, measurable, achievable, repeatable, testable, and trainable. And that means specific. You know, again, like the communications, very pointed, and there should be no ambiguity about what that uh, what the requirement is is specifying. Measurable, being able to say come up with an objective way of demonstrating that this is how that requirement has to be met. Achievable, you know, we're not looking for something here that uh, is, is something could be uh, implemented you know, 20 years from now. You know, it's got to be something we can do today, and it's got to be something that can be done at a reasonable cost. Repeatable. If, if you can't have, if you don't have a repeatable process defined in the, in the requirements, uh, in other words, that it, it's the same event would be processed the same way every time, then you got a problem because now you're, the complexity of the logic in the software is going to have to be uh, uh, far more complex, complex and far more difficult to maintain going forward. Testable, 
you know, the whole idea is ultimately at the end of the day, this system's got to work. And the only way you're going to prove that it works and and prove that it's actually successful is if you can test it and demonstrate a way how to test it so to make sure that the results are are the, the, the tests demonstrate that the requirements are being met and trainable again like like goes back to the usability issue making sure that you can train the users and for that matter your customers or anybody you know users i define as anybody who touches the system whether they're an employee or a customer or a vendor or whomever you know that they can with without making it too onerous and too difficult that they can understand how to work the system and use the system effectively. So that's requirements. And it's a key, again, going back to what I said as far, you've got to make sure that you involve the right people, the right users, in defining those right requirements. Otherwise, again, you could be going down the wrong path and end up with a system that really does not meet what the users really need. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. The right hardware, software, and networks to support the solution. Now, this is this is where it come, where we're starting to see where the requirements are starting to be implemented, particularly the system requirements. And part of this is it starts with the the whole concept of whether or not you're going to make your solution i.e. build the solution or you're going to buy the solution and this can be this can be pretty tricky because there's there's pros and cons to each one and the 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 real really what you have to have to be looking at here is what's the likelihood of being able to find a good off-the-shelf, if you will, solution that you could implement that's going to meet most of the requirements. When I say most of the requirements, I'm talking about 80% of the requirements. The reality is there's no there's no package out there that's going to meet 100% of your requirements, and you've got to you've got to be able to figure out okay if for that 20% or so, plus or minus, that you're going to how you're going to handle that, either modifying the system or determining if there's a real value in making an adjustment to the actual processes that the system is supposed to uh, support. Now, is where we start with understanding the getting the right hardware, software, networks in place? It starts with having the right technology strategy and, again, the right requirements. Um, these requirements need to be translated into a selection criteria. And the traditional approach of these requirements is defined as you, they always start out with the ability to do X, the ability to do Y, the ability to do Z. And what you then do is you use all those, those selection criteria to then seek out the right solutions, the right op, and and there and and there may maybe many options. Um, you know, for example, you in in a customer relationship management, you know, there there can be many many options uh, for a good CRM system, or in the case of you know we had uh, had one of our clients on uh, Roblin uh, no, oh 
probably a couple of months ago now, and we helped her find the right solution that she was looking for for onboarding, employee onboarding software. And again, what we went through, what, what I went through with Robin was to uh, have her help me understand what she's looking for, what kind of requirements they are. I took those requirements and then and effectively translated them into a whole series of criteria that I could then use to evaluate the, 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 the various software options. Because again, there's many, many um, employee onboarding software packages out there and finding the right one that fit her needs uh, having this requirements and the and the criteria made it much much simpler and be able to narrow it down quickly so that she could then make the final decisions. You also, as part of that, uh, beyond the requirements, you need to design and or review uh, your network architecture. Uh, again, you may if you already got a, a strong network architecture, with the expectation that the solution is going to fit into that. That's one thing, but in many cases, as you're growing. You're, you're, this application may be demanding much more, uh, much more uh, power, if you will, than what your existing network is capable of providing. So there's, there you've got to review it and figure out, okay, what do we have to do from a network architecture perspective to address that? Now, there's obviously a lot of solutions now that are offered as cloud solutions. Uh, and and just because this, the, the, the solution is in the cloud, as it were, uh, doesn't mean you can skip this and just go with, go with a cloud solution. Um, one of the issues that I've seen, again, because with, with our, from our, our accounting perspective, I find that many times the cloud solution, cloud-based solutions for the accounting packages, are more limited in their functionality than the than the desktop versions. I think uh, you, know, you could look at uh, QuickBooks Online, for example, does not have as many features and functions as QuickBooks desktop version has, and that's true across the board. Whether it's again QuickBooks, Sage, uh, you name the you name the systems and the accounting side, they're all the same. And I've had discussions with them, the vendors on these, and they all admit yes, it is and Ultimately, it'll come, but it, it's it's not there now. Now, once you've got all that, you you, you know you're out there. You're looking for all the vendor options, and there are there's plenty of vendor options. There's a lot of different places to go to to, to find that list. But what you need to do is again, using that criteria that you've you've already defined is that's the way you help start narrowing down that list to a manageable list that you can do the final selections from part of that also in terms of of this of, of the you know having the right hardware software network is defining and designing the right security again you know, that security is a major issue and it's and again, maybe it's it's really defining the requirements and determining whether or not the require the security requirements are met by that software package. So that's uh, and and is software package not only the, the software, the app, but also the environment that it's running in, uh, whether it's cloud or your server or wherever it happens to be. Yeah, the reality is there's a lot more steps uh, that are involved in this in this particular topic but uh, in the end the solution needs ultimately needs to meet 75 percent 80 75 to 80 percent of the requirements 
and have the ability to tailor the balance of the of the requirements to to meet the, meet the needs. Well, that is about all I can cover before jumping into another topic, which would go way over, and I don't want to uh, don't want to do that. We'll save those save those for the next time. But this is right now. I think between uh, the requirements and having the right hardware, software, and network to support the solutions, and you know having all those functional and non-functional requirements uh, defined properly, communicated properly approved and reviewed with both users and the technology side uh, to meet that smart criteria that I mentioned. That's the key. If you can't do that right or if you don't do that right, it's the, there's very low likelihood that the system's going to be a success. So um, that has been my experience, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> so with that, we're going to wrap up today's session. And again, this is a... Uh, this is Dave Wilkins at Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. And this has been Strategic Insights Radio on Business Radio X. To find out more about uh, Sterling Rose Consulting Corp., you can con contact us at 678-996-1312 or visit sterlingroseconsultingcorp.com. This is Dave Wilkins. Until next time, take care. Bye.